Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the I See Old People podcast. This is Dr. Bruce, your host, and today is an exciting day. Today is February 13th, 2021. The new podcast direction that I've gone in is try to do a monthly podcast to mark the my sobriety milestones. So today is eight months sober. Uh, after my uh, terrible relapse at the start of the Age of Madness, but I am back on track now. I'm going to continue in my quest to be a a competent and a concerned observer of the events of the world today. So what has happened in the last month since I last talked to you? Okay, so I am in uh, Norfolk County, beautiful Norfolk County, Ontario. It's on the northern shore of Lake Erie, so it's in the the southernmost part of of Ontario. We have been in a complete and total lockdown since the last time I talked to you. So we have been in a lockdown for an entire month. It started, the month started on uh, January 13th, between now and then, uh, started with uh, an attack on the Capitol Hill. The changing of the president in the United States from a Republican president to a a liberal Democratic president. I watched that and I watched the whole political process with great, great interest over the last six months. And then when all of that happened, it's just like I just gave up on it. I couldn't take it anymore. I just I wasn't interested anymore. I had been listening to two or three different conservative podcasts. I just stopped listening to them. I haven't listened to one in, a, in an entire month. I'm still keeping very, very active up on the news of what's going on in the age of madness. But as far as um, politics, particularly American politics, I just don't want anything else to do with it. I'm, I'm just done with it. So the schools have been closed now for eight weeks. Okay, uh, they, they opened up again on February 8th. So they just opened at the beginning of this week. Ontario has been in a full lockdown for six weeks now. All travel by air to the Caribbean and to Mexico has been cancelled. Our border has been closed since March, so the border with our greatest greatest neighbour, the Americans, our uh, Canadian-US border has been closed. 5,000 miles of friendship has been closed since March, so the border is closed and it will continue to stay closed from the sound of things. Now they put in uh, travel rules if you leave the country, because you are still free to leave the country, if you leave the country by air, because you can't leave the country by car anymore. If you leave the country by air, when you return, you are forced to you are forced into a three-day quarantine in a hotel that has been chosen by the government. So what they've done is they've converted the hotels around the airport in Toronto, in Montreal, in Calgary, and in Vancouver. They've converted the hotels around those airports into quarantine hotels. Now you would think that those quarantine hotels were just for travelers. But it seems like citizens, especially in the Toronto quarantine hotels, there are two hotels that are completely filled up with just Canadian citizens, mostly from the Peel region. Uh, they, they live in quite large homes there with multiple families. Uh, it's impossible for them to quarantine. So what they're doing is putting them into hotels. So that's what's going on right now. The big talk in the news during this age of madness at this particular moment on February 13th is that the new variants are coming. The new variants are coming. So they don't have a name for the new variants yet, but they will give them names. I've heard South Africa. I've heard um, Kent, England. That's about the only two that come to mind immediately. But there there will be many, many variants. 
The vaccination rollout has occurred. That's occurred all across Canada. Long-term care homes uh, have already been done. They've all gotten their second dose, at least in our area. So what's going to happen with that? Uh, it, it's just really hard to say. Who knows? They've already said uh, clearly, and this is not conspiracy theory, they've already said clearly that the vaccination doesn't stop the spread of the disease. So really why people are getting it, I, I, I don't know. So I'm just watching that and watching as it develops. The hair salons have been closed, uh, but they are opening next week, Tuesday. Our uh, martial law has been lifted as of Tuesday in Ontario, where we're going to go into orange restrict, which means that uh, we have some of our freedoms have been given back to us, like the freedom to go get a haircut, the freedom to go get our dog groomed, the freedom to go and sit inside a restaurant and have a meal, uh, those types of things. Uh, oh, uh, ski hills are opening up again on Thursday next week. Uh, outdoor sports, uh, outdoor events are allowed to have 25 people uh, for up from 10. So there's been some positive changes, but you know, it's always with this caveat. The variants are coming. The variants are coming. I don't know how long this freedom, they're going to give us a little taste of freedom for, for a few weeks. But I imagine by the next time I speak to you, when I'm nine months sober, uh, the next time I speak to you on March 13th, I'm guessing we're going to be back in lockdown. But that's just a prediction. And uh, it's just my own opinion. It's not a conspiracy theory. I'm not stating anything that isn't actual fact of what's going on in this time. All right, so I'm at eight months sober. And I'll tell you, this is my water that I've been here three times before. I've failed three times to this point. Last week, two weeks ago now, I was listening to an old podcast of mine, December 15th podcast, 2019. That was what would have been my one-year uh, anniversary if I had stuck with AA and if I, if I had not, if I'd gone past the eight-month mark. And I went and treated it as if I hadn't had a relapse at eight months, and I talked all about what it's like to be a, a sober for a year. So you can see I was still lying a lot about alcohol a year ago. So I've become more honest about it, and uh, that's made a big, big difference in my life. I've become more honest just in general. You know, I'm trying to be more patient. You know, I'm thinking before I speak. I call my sponsor more often. You know, I said, what's different with this eight months than other eight months? Well, I, I'm continuing to stay connected with AA, my Winnipeg group that I went to for three months last summer. I'm doing a timeline right now. I'm trying to fill in the gaps of what happened over the last 20 years, and it's a lot more difficult than you think because uh, alcohol took away a lot of my memories of things that were going on and that relapse was just just awful so I'm trying to kind of recreate what happened over the course of that time but I'm very very grateful to be sober for eight months and I'm really really I, I want to give you my gratitude list so so since the last month I've gotten along really really well with my wife so I'm super grateful for that there's been no fights I've been very, very grateful. We have been respectful of each other, and uh, we have gotten along quite well. I had to throw her out of the house this morning. I gave some excuse I needed to go pick something up because we're stuck in this house together, and it's really, really hard to find time to put together this podcast. So, I mean, I want one hour to myself to do this. And uh, so I sent her out on a wild goose chase. So we'll, we'll see how much time I have to get this done. So we had no fights, gotten along really, really good. We've had dinner with friends uh, every Saturday night since the lockdown occurred, uh, which we were not really technically supposed to, but you know we, we were allowing them to come into our home and I was, we were allowed to go into their home once a week, very, very cautious and, uh, and very grateful for the friendship, playing cards. And you know in this time of madness, we are all so isolated. And just to have a couple of friends at least has really made a difference over the last month. 
I'm grateful for the good food and the warm bed that I had in January and February. Uh, oh, I ordered a sauna. Uh, I ordered a barrel sauna from a company in Owen Sound. It's a do-it-yourself operation there, so they're going to send me all the wood and all the instructions on how to put it together, and I'm going to build a sauna in my backyard. Uh, we get in about three weeks from Owen Sound, so I'm really, really grateful that I can afford it and that I have the skill to put it together and that I feel confident enough to build something like that for the future. And that's tough. In the age of madness, a lot of people are not doing too much as far as the future because the future is so uncertain. So at least I feel confident enough that uh, my backyard and my life this summer will still exist to the point that I can enjoy my sauna, jump in and out of my pool, and just enjoy life within my little tiny fenced-in area of the world that I, uh, you know, am kind of forced to live in at this moment. It's a gilded cage, though. I live in a, a nice home. I have heat. I have food. I have a wife who loves me. I have wonderful children who are healthy. I have grandchildren who are healthy. And, uh, you know, I can't be more grateful. I can't be more grateful. So, uh, last time I talked a little bit about my dad and his family and how they came from Calabria, and I left out a really, really important point. I left out my Uncle Richard. My Uncle Richard was an integral, integral part of my life, and when I listed all the brothers and sisters of my dad, I, I left him right out completely, and so I think I maybe left him out because I wanted to talk about him just individually. Uh, my Uncle Richard was a priest, uh, he was a member of the Scarborough Foreign Mission, and when he first became a priest, he went into the foreign area of the Philippines and Japan, and that's where he worked as a missionary, trying to convert the Asian population to Christianity. So that would have been back in the 60s, but then he developed some health problems, and he ended up moving to the mother house, which is in Scarborough, and he lived there for all the time that I've lived in Toronto. So I moved to Toronto in 1981. And from that time on, I developed a very, very strong friendship with my Uncle Richard. I would go to his house over to the mother house in Scarborough. I'd take the bus over that way and we would have dinner together. He would drive over to my apartment and we would go and do things on a Saturday or on a weekday together if I had time off of school. So I got to know him really, really well. He, he truly cared for Susan and I, and uh, I certainly loved my Uncle Richard. He would have been uh, the priest in the family, and my grandmother would have been so proud to have had a priest. It was a very important part of, of, of raising a big family at that time that maybe one of them would be given to God. And in this case, it was my Uncle Richard. So Father Richard, I can remember as a little tiny child being in St. Path. Patrick's Cathedral when he was ordained so I would have been maybe six or seven years old and it was one of those formal high masses so there was a lot of uh, incense and a lot of chanting and a lot of singing and it was quite a spectacle and then I didn't really see him much other than at Christmas time or maybe a summer visit until I moved to Toronto and then when I moved to Toronto I was the only relative he outside of Thunder Bay uh, with him. He had moved from Thunder Bay and I had moved from Thunder Bay. Otherwise, everybody was still up in Thunder Bay. So I had him all to myself and we really enjoyed a great relationship. He was one of the first people I ever introduced my wife to and uh, he, immediate, he immediately liked my wife, but then he took me over to the side and he warned me. He said, 
she's from northern Italy. You know, she will never capitulate. <laughs> and uh, I actually had to go home. I shared that story with my wife at the time, who was my fiance at the time. Uh, you know, we had to look it up. <laughs> we had to get a dictionary and look it up, uh, what capitulate meant. And, you know, he was right. You know, my wife's a very, very strong woman, very, very strong woman. And she does not capitulate easily, but she does capitulate at times if she's can be, it can be proven that she was wrong. But uh, she's, she's a strong woman. She's kept me on my toes all these years. I'm pretty grateful for her. But I really loved my Uncle Richard so much. And uh, he was a good, good man. He took good care of me. Uh, he loved my children. I would have loved for him to have uh, have still been around and seen my grandchildren and, and started a new generation of love and care with my Uncle Richard. He was a heck of a guy. I really, really miss him. The uh, longevity is not a big feature of my family. Longevity. Most of the men died in their early 70s. Uh, I have one uncle now, my Uncle Louie. He's the youngest brother of my father. He's still alive and he's 80. And uh, that's a big accomplishment for the, the men in my family. So I look, I look to him. Oh, and my Uncle Louie is beautiful skin. I hope my skin is as nice when I'm 80 years old. Uh, so what else did I want to talk about? I, I just, I just the, that ongoing shrinkage of, of, of your life, you know, you, you, you start to really realize that uh, you're at the back part of life when you start to disappear. You know, when I was vital, when I was in my... 20s, 30s, 40s, when I was working all the time, I was the biggest guy in the room. I was the biggest guy in the room. I walked into a room, everybody knew it. Everyone turned, everyone was there. The, my presence was felt. And then I noticed between 50 and 60, it just started to fade away. It just started to fade away. And now that I'm in my 60s, it's funny, It's you're almost invisible. You're almost invisible. It's like people don't even really see you. Uh, it's an interesting phenomena to go from from such a peak in your life, especially when you're in a career, a very evangelical kind of career where I really attracted a lot of people to, to, to what I did. And uh, then all of a sudden, people don't even see you anymore. Uh, it's, 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 it's an interesting phenomenon. Aging, aging has its uh, ups and downs, that's for sure. So I'm really, really pr proud to be at this point. Here I am, eight months sober, and I couldn't be more thrilled. I'm proud of myself, and I feel strong. I feel I can go on. I feel like I, I can put that relapse behind me. So I, I was reading from this book called The Daily Reflections, and The Daily Refre Reflections is an AA official handbook that people read, and it has something for every day. So today's February 13th, and the saying is, we can't think our way sober. To the intellectually self-sufficient man or woman, many AAs can say, yes, we were like you, far too smart for our own good. Secretly, we felt we could float above the rest of the folks on our brain power alone. So that's from the book, As Bill Sees It, on page 60. Once again, and this is what I've done so many times, this is so appropriate, even the most brilliant mind is no defense against the disease of alcoholism. I can't think my way sober. I try to remember that intelligence is a God-given attribute that I may use, a joy, like having a talent for dancing or drawing or carpentry. It does not make me better than anyone else. It does not make me better than anyone else. And it is not a particularly reliable tool for recovery. For it is a power greater than myself who will restore me to sanity, not a high IQ or a college degree. I think in my initial sobriety, I really thought I could just think my way through it. And now I'm starting to realize that that is absolute fallacy. What you have to do is you have to work your way through it. 
and you have to work your way through it every single day, every single day. The tools that I learned in AA have really helped me to get through this pandemic, at least this latter part of the this age of madness here, at least this latter part, the beginning of it, I did not have the tools. And uh, it was quite obvious, uh, a lot of destruction, a lot of pain, a lot of a lot of hurt went on during uh, the beginning of this age of madness. But now I've come to some type of uh, understanding of who I am and what I am. And I'm starting to realize that uh, I can live within this structure. I don't like it. I'm upset by it. But I can function every day. I can still love my wife. I can still love my children. I can still love my grandchildren. I can go out and exercise. I eat well. I sleep well. I'm a fortunate person. And when you can say you're a fortunate person within this terrible structure of madness that we're living in right now, I think you're pretty blessed. And I feel pretty blessed today. You know, if you listen to this point here, I really, really appreciate it. You know I love you. It's been difficult to come to some type of a, a route, uh, some type of a direction. The podcast was intended to be an interviewing type podcast with seniors, with older people. That's why it's called I See Old People. It's about, it was going to be about the greatest generation. It was going to be 87-year-olds and 85-year-olds. And, you know, I talk about them disappearing. They seem to be disappearing right in front of my eyes. Probably the thing that gives me the most sadness in my life is to watch, watch all these seniors passing right now. So God bless everyone who has been inflicted with this. God bless everyone who is under mental strain. God bless everyone. It's been a terrible time. The age of madness has been a horrible, horrible time for everyone. And, and I hope maybe something I said today will help you to get through it by... By talking to you today, it's allowed me to get through it again for another day. So another day, 24 hours, tomorrow's a new day. Let's keep moving on. I'll let you know what's going on a month from now. Ontario uh, right now has lifted their soft martial law and we are moving to Orange Restrict. So let's tell you, I'll tell you all about my adventures as that, uh, as that month goes on. I will see you on March 13th and I will be nine months sober and I feel really confident about that and I'm looking forward to talking to you then. This has been Dr. Bruce with the IC Old People podcast. Thanks for listening.